right. I always feel miles away. So I'm just going get, to get right in here. It's not a, not, a, not a comment on my mental state. Morning. Good to see you. How about this, Pershaw and City Church together? I think it's a bit of a good thing. Well done for coming. Those of you from Pershaw, God bless you. It's a bit of a distance, I understand. Yeah, it is. Uh, we've had, I've been in Pershaw on Friday night and on Saturday morning yesterday. We had have, and have had a really good time together. So to see them again on a Sunday, the fact that they came after two days of me is enough. I'm encouraged already. So, And just guys from Worcester, um, thanks so much for your ongoing love and care for Helen and I, particularly for Helen, you know. Um, she's, uh, for those who don't know, she's uh, been diagnosed with terminal cancer in the liver. Um, but she's well. That's all I can tell you is that uh, she has minor things that aren't so good. But presently, she's doing really well. So she's been at work now for the past five weeks. We, we don't let her come home. She just has to stay there. She's, she's a deputy head and she's loving her job. So she's tired. She comes home and she says, I'm tired. And, and you would be because it's a tiring job. So uh, we had some interesting news. I don't want to go too crazy about this, but on Friday we had interesting news. Um, we, the last uh, blood test that she had indicated that the tablets that she was taking weren't working, which is not, wasn't great. Then ten, two weeks ago at a, a retreat for our Synergy Sphere uh, leaders, um, Helen got really touched by God out in the spirit. And as she's lying there, she feels extreme pain in the palms of her hands. And uh, she feels like God says to her, by my wounds, you are healed. Now, I know that that's got an eternal angle. And I know it also can mean now. So you just go, oh, okay, here we go, Lord. Um, then we go for the blood test and results for the oncologist on Friday. Oncologist says, this is a bit unusual. She says, all, all the bloods have now returned to normal. So you're going, all right. So we're trying to just stay, we're managing it, if you know what I mean. We can go, we could go crazy right now, but those things go up and down anyway. So what we want to know is uh, that she's fully clear of the thing. So there's a scan coming up, and then we're praying Join with us at the moment, because this, is, this has been a good weekend, I tell you. Um, when you go expecting one thing, even though you're, you're in hope, actually you go and then you say, dear God, you know, um, please let it be good news in this office. We've never had good news in this room. And then, so we weren't expecting it, and then it came, and it was like, whoa, we're surprised. So God is good. I want to say it again. God is good, and he's better than us. And, and bigger than us, and is able. Amen. Um, can I just ask, uh, Joe, I'm going to embarrass you terribly. Can you just come up here with Ruth? I know. Have you met? <laughs> is there a mic anywhere? Look, I just, I can't, what I'm about to speak on is about unity and about praying for the Ephesian church. I just don't think I can get past the idea that we ought to be blessing each other's churches right now. Yeah. Does that sound okay? 
About half of you think it's okay. The others, yeah. <laughs> stuff them. Stuff them all. No, it's not like that. I, so I'm just going to ask for a, a prayers of blessing to come on both churches. Is that okay? Go on then, Ruth. You can join in and say amen if you like. Those of you who are into it. Okay, Joe. I want to bless you. I want to bless you um, as um, a leader of Pershaw Church. I want to bless you as the mom of the house. I want to bless you as a mom of many. And I want to bless Pershaw. I want to bless Pershaw Church through you, but also directly. I just want to pray. Lord Jesus, just come and move. Yeah. Move in power. Holy Spirit, come. God, bring your Father heart on Pershaw Church. Your heart for this lovely group of people, that they would know even deeper how loved they really are. Thank you, Lord. I want to bless them with, um, with all that you have given us. I want to give to them in fullness and more, um, more than the, that we could ever have. We give them more. And I just want to... Um, to pray that from his glorious unlimited resources mm. he will give you mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit and I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust in him may you put your roots deep down into good soil of God's marvellous love and may you have the power to understand all of God's people should how wide, how long, how high, and how deep the love that he has really is for you. That you may experience the love of Christ. Though it is so great, you will never fully understand it. You will be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Amen. And he is able to accomplish infinitely more than we would ever dare to ask or hope. Amen. 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 It's a good job it's not a competition, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just say ditto. <laughs> uh, Lord, it's so good to be here. and we, we, mm. I haven't personally been here since um, Tom's baptism, which I couldn't even remember how long that is. But mm-hmm. Lord, it's good to be here. And it's so good to see that you've been at work mm. since we were last here. We see a, a change. There's a, a difference in the atmosphere. And Praise there is God. more of you. Good. And Lord, I thank you for what you've been teaching us over this weekend, that you've been showing us you want more heart and intimacy with you and less management and strategy. And we pray that for people in this church on an individual level um, and on a leadership level, Mm. that, Lord, there'd be just that desire for you, for more and more of you. Holy Spirit, thank you for this place. Thank Mm. you for the freedom that it brings for people to be able to share what you're doing in their lives. It's just so great to hear those stories this morning, Lord. And uh, a picture we had over the weekend was from Isaiah 40 of um, soaring on eagles' wings and how effortless it is. And Neil and I had the privilege yesterday afternoon of having two birds of prey above our garden, just circling over our garden, going higher and higher and higher until we couldn't see them anymore. But they were directly over our house. And Lord... I just thank you that when we're soaring with you, it is effortless. We don't need to be working and working. So, Lord, we just pray in Jesus' name 
especially for the leadership, but for everyone else in this church, Lord, that they would get in step with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well done. Yes. Bless you. Well done. So, would you turn your Bibles, would you believe, to Ephesians chapter 3? Exactly what Ruth has just been reading out, without any planning. As you can tell, there's no planning. Um, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. Um, it's my new jacket, I'm going to wear it, I don't care what you say, so I'm going to keep it on. Okay, is that okay? Okay, just checking. Um, let's just read from verse 14 until the end of the chapter. And uh, let's get into this a little bit this morning. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide... Long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Mm, come back to that. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. It is great to be here. Um, I heard a story the other day of a, of a lonely woman who went and bought a parrot from a pet shop. She wanted companionship, someone to talk to. The next day, she brought the parrot back and said, he won't talk. Manager asked, does he have a mirror in his cage? Parrots love mirrors. So she purchased a mirror. The next day, she came back and said, the bird's still not talking. How about a ladder? Well, parrots love ladders. When he's happy, he'll talk. Ladders, mirrors, it's coming together. So um, she purchased a ladder. The next day, she was back again saying, the parrot's still not talking. The manager said, I know what you need. The bird wants a swing. He'll be happy when he has a swing and he'll talk. She reluctantly purchased a swing. Sure enough, the next day, she was back. But this time, she had a sad face. The parrot died, she said. Oh, no, I'm sorry, the manager said. Please tell me, did he ever say anything before he died? The woman replied, yes. He asked me, don't they sell any food at that pet shop? <laughs> Sometimes, what's obvious and in plain sight is often missed. <laughs> we can miss that the whole point of being the people of God is about loving God and loving one another. Honestly, it really is the main thing. Love God, love one another. But we can get caught up with all the paraphernalia and all the other stuff around church that makes us think, I'd rather go for a walk in the park. Sometimes, the way that we think about church and life together is all, you already feel drained before you start. But there is a counterpoint, and this is written for us and prayed for us in Ephesians. I don't know if, if you've got a favorite Pauline epistle, but this is mine. <laughs> I love it a bit. 
I'm going to speak on it all day soon in, um, in the you know, King's School of Theology. They've got a day coming up in the no, end of November. They've asked me to speak about Ephesians, but they've only given me six hours. I'm, I'm, I'm actually thinking I could do a 20. But only because it's so blooming rich. Have you read it lately? It really is loaded with meaning and passion. And Paul, just to give a bit of context, he's writing to these seven churches in the Lycus Valley, what is now modern-day Turkey. And he's writing some things to them that are powerful and needed for their ongoing work. So it's not academic. He's not just writing because he thought, oh, I've got a couple of hours, I'll just write something. He's writing because what he's wanting them to know is essential for their future walk with the, with the Lord. It's essential for the type of church that they're going to be, or churches that they're going to be. So Ephesians 1 and 2, for context's sake, is, it's like you're climbing this wonderful mountain. Um, Charles and Ruth here, my friends from Nottingham, were telling me they climbed a really nice hill yesterday near Abergavenny and had a fantastic view from the top. I want you to imagine as they, that Ephesians 1 and 2 and then 3 is like climbing to the top of a hill or a mountain where we get expressed to us in no uncertain terms and in glorious language, to be quite honest, the love that God has for us. That's what chapters 1 and 2 and 3 are about. Chapters 4 to 6 are more about how we work that love out with one another. Top of the mountain, and then you come back down in Ephesians 4 into the life and the grit of real living when there's people you don't get on with and there's things that need resolving and there's forgiveness that needs to be issued and there's tough things that need to happen or, you're, or that you're facing. But Ephesians is great because it provides us with a lot of our language and narrative for how we do stuff. So you get citizens of ideas like we're fellow citizens. You get ideas of we're a household. You get the idea of we're a temple. You get the idea of one new humanity, one new man in Christ. Because Jew and Gentile are now one in him. You get unity. You get Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11, 12, which are to do with the gifts of Christ given to the church. Apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. That stuff, that revelation around those verses are what helped to form this church and all our churches. And churches like ours about 35, 40 years ago. Now there was the gift of the Holy Spirit, but there were also the gifts of Christ that began to mobilize people like Rick Thomas and others, and Barney Coombs, and other people like that, who had this passion to see the church become more than an institution, or somewhere you went on a Sunday as though it were an event, but actually, a whole way of life was being described here. And these gifts of Christ were given to the body until we all achieve maturity in the faith and are filled full of the fullness of Christ. Do you feel that you've been filled full of the fullness of Christ to such a degree that you don't anymore yet? Thank you both. Guys, there is more. There's just a load more yet to experience in the relationship 
with Jesus. I'm going this afternoon to uh, to a memorial uh, uh, meeting in Oxford to remember the life of Barney Coombs. If you don't know him, he's the guy who really, with others like Steve and Rick and others, joined together and formed this salt and light thing that really has touched, I, I don't know, nations all over the world. Uh, 3,000 or more churches are in that, uh, in our family. It's fantastic. And he died, and he was the one who gave me the steer into Ephesians as though he said, whatever else you do, you've got to learn it. You've got to know it. You've got to be in your bones because that's the heart of who we are. I thought, wow, that's interesting. It could have been all kinds of other things, couldn't it? But he said, when it comes to church, this is what I want you to get hold of. And as an impressionable young, I was once a younger man, I was thinking, well, I want to learn and I still want to learn from Paul and the Ephesians. In this book and in this passage, Paul's basically saying, in light of chapter 1 and 2 and all that God's called us to be, I'd better pray for you. In the light of who God's wanting us to be going forward, we'd better pray for each other. Why? Because it's bigger and it's greater and it's richer and more dynamic than you can quite yet grasp. And me. Then we can understand there's more to it. And I think that as we seek the face of the Father. And as we seek the Lord in intimacy. We begin to get the heart of God for each other as well as for him. It's a great passage. Just Have you got it open still? <clears throat> Look at what he prays there in verse 17. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power. So it takes power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is. There's a song in this, I tell you, in is the love of Christ and to know that this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So what I want to point out is this. When you stop praying for your church, and when you stop praying for each other, what you're doing is limiting the potential for revelation. To see what? To see how God sees your brother, sister that you're sitting next to. No longer is it just Chris Jelfs. God bless you, Chris. It's no longer just Chris Jelfs as though he was just, oh, that's just Chris or Richard or Ruth or Dave or Liz or, or Steve. It, it's like it's not just about that, that kind of familiarity which we like because we're family. That's fantastic. But as you pray, God opens the eyes of your heart so that you see each other like he sees them. And I, as he sees you. Now, I think that's a challenge. But that's why we have to pray. And that's why Paul's saying, look, I want you to pray. Because I'm going to have to pray for you that you get it. Because if you don't get it, then your revelation will be limited. And then you'll just treat people just the same as everybody else. 
the eyes of your heart are enlightened. It's a simple thought, this. It really is. It's just that as we pray, we get God's perspective on each other. If we don't pray very much and our hearts grow a bit cool, and prayer seems like a hard thing to do, then you are being limited to your own understanding. And the scriptures tell us clearly, don't they? Don't lean on your own understanding, which means that you have to submit to somebody else's understanding. So Paul is saying that. Do you notice that it says, as I kneel before the Father? I wonder if there's something in this. For this reason, I kneel, verse 14, before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I used to be a kneeler until my knees started to go like a bit dodgy. There's no question about it. So now I'm, I'm either a stander, a sitter, or I'm fully on the deck. But kneeling, I just can't manage. I can manage it for about, about 10 seconds, and then it's extreme pain. Uh, I've been prayed for about a million times. Lord, just do it. But I wrecked my knees playing football as a youth. Um, there is something about posture. Don't you think? You get up early in the morning. I don't know if, when you pray, but if you get up early in the morning and you're in bed lying down saying, I'm fully available, Lord, to pray. I'll just close my eyes a bit more just to focus. Oh, time's up. <laughs> get out of that bed and into somewhere else that becomes a place where you want to regularly meet with the Father. That can be for some while you're walking the dog. It can be sitting in that special chair in the corner. It can be in a room. I don't know where it is. But I think you have to change your posture so that you're not just lying there comfortable. There is something about saying, Lord, I'm available. And I'm going to put myself into prayer deliberately, on purpose, and for meaning. I kneel. Jews stood. Christians knelt. Maybe it just marked them out. We were with some young uh, American people um, who were avid evangelists, like avid. And uh, they came to, to East Midlands, and we were just sitting there talking with them. And it, it just I was caught up, uh, really, with, with their enthusiasm and then I was caught short by their devotion. So as they started, we said, okay, this has been great. We had an hour's conversation. Lovely to hear the story. Great testimony. Wonderful God doing this, that, and the other. And we said, okay, why don't we just pray together? We stood and they knelt. And then when we started praying, they started crying. The prayers weren't that bad that made you come to tears. It wasn't that. It was just that this was their practice and this was mine. I thought, you know what? My heart's grown a little bit cool. It sneaked up on me. And in the busyness of this, that, and the other, I've become a little bit hard-hearted. And I've been provoked by a 20-something couple of kids from America who are on fire And they are revealing to me 
the state of my heart. Enthusiasm and devotion, when it's on public display, we're Brits after all. We don't really like it. Not really. We've been trained not to show all that stuff. So when these people are crying and worshipping, you almost want to say, okay, just calm down. I'm from Liverpool, that's what we say, calm down. But the truth is that actually they shouldn't calm down and we didn't say it because we knew they were right and we weren't right. That actually it wasn't wrong to be standing and it wasn't wrong to be praying. It was just what it revealed about me. I wonder what it said. How how are you at the moment in your relationship with the Lord? Because we can have all the strategy in the world and all the planning and all. And you know what? I'm all for it. I really am. I believe in it all. But it can't be where we start and finish. Where we start and finish is being filled up to all the fullness of Christ. And every commentary I've ever read or every lecturer I ever talked to or every teacher I've ever asked haven't been able to tell me exactly what the being filled up to all the fullness of Christ looks like. But I know when some people, I know some people are fuller than others. Do you? Having a good time this morning? You look like you're not. Because in there, there is this appeal from Paul as he's praying for these Ephesians. Look, I might not come and see you for a while. I might not be able to because I'm still kind of locked up in a prison cell or or I might be dead. So I want you to remember this above all else. Pray for power. Yeah, power for healing. Power for deliverance. Power for salvation, I believe. Yes, amen, amen, amen. But he's praying Ask for power for prayer. There's more in this than we think. There's more. I've read it a hundred times. But it's only lately I've begun to realize that if I don't ask for power, I won't see. I won't see God at work around me and I won't see God at work in you. That makes sense? So that's what I want to appeal to you to kind of do that. Why? Because verse 16, look at what happens verse 16. I pray out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So as you ask God for power, you get it through through his spirit in you. You get more power. And you get stronger in your inner being. What is your inner being? It's just the spirit in you. It's you as you are formed. It's your very center of your being. It's your heart, if you like. It's not the physical organ. It's the center of your identity, which is in Christ and has been made anew. So as you ask for power to pray for somebody else and ask for power to see how God sees them, You get strengthened. I think that's a good deal. Are you a bit lukewarm at the moment? Are you struggling to just fight through some challenges? Okay. Then the thing to do then is to change your posture. Maybe take a knee. Find an angle with the Lord and pursue him for power 
to see his inheritance in the saints. I think that keeps me sane. Because you might know, but my role has become, I'm working with the Synergy group of churches, our sphere of churches now, and beginning to do a lot of traveling back and forward and encouraging people and trying to, I pray for power. Because sometimes it's not all that encouraging. Sometimes we're not as like, we're not as on fire as we once were. So I'm going, oh God, please open my eyes to see your inheritance in these saints and help them to see it too. Revive the first love. Restore that first love, that enthusiasm, that zeal that said, this is fantastic to be part of the people of God. Maybe I'm just being nostalgic, but I just remember early stages of salvation. And I would be, I, I was at university in the third, got saved, drunken evening, as you know, 20 to 4 in the morning, having been in a fight, drank 10 vodkas, three pints of lager in about half an hour, fell out of the seat, into the aisle, on the deck, I'm lying there, and God speaks to me and says, Aled, which way are you going to go? My way, which leads to life, or your own way, which leads to death? Make your choice. As I've said many times before, not the best way to get guidance. But as I'm on the deck waiting there and God says this to me, I go home and I say, God, if you're real, if you are who you say, or if you can do the things you say you can do, then come and do them in me. If it's true, I'll follow you the rest of my days. Passed out, so drunk. Woke up four hours later, presence of God, weight off the shoulder. Could do with a weight off the waist nowadays. Weight off the shoulder. God speaks and changes things. And I was following that the next morning I'm full of life. I don't even know what to do with it, but I want everything and I want more. In those first three to six months, I would jog to meetings. Do you remember those days? Maybe, maybe, it, was a, maybe it was a brisk walk. I don't know. But it was a, I was jogging because I wanted to get there because I was going to, I expected to meet God not just through worship, but through the people of God. They all knew more than I knew. And I was a learner. So I wanted to draw from them because I just might get a, a little bit of wisdom from somebody who's, who's experienced more of God than I have. So I would be, I'd be like pretty early there and I'd pretty close be the one that stayed till right at the end. I'd, stand, I'd sit on the front row, right under the preacher's nose. I just, I just I, there was two things going on really. I wanted to learn and hear properly. And secondly, I wanted to know if he was fake. <laughs> to be honest, I, did, I didn't, you know, are these people real? And the more they were, they really meant it. Some were a bit more fun than others. There was no doubt about that. But there was, they, they, whenever they opened the Bible, I just thought, well, it's okay. It figures, I can learn from this thing. So even if they're not the most dynamic speaker, at least I can read the Bible. Guys, I don't know if you're still hungry. Yes. Good on you, Sonia. Sonia's hungry. Come on. This thing with Helen has made me ravenous. 
I would never have chosen it. I would never have said yes. Yeah, that would be a great way of going about things, Lord. Why don't you put us in that situation and, and then it'll all, I'll be hungry for you. Can I just, can you find a different way? But this is the way for me and us right now. And you can go towards him or you can turn away. I want more. That first love, that hunger for more. Guys, I want to encourage you. No matter what our ages are, no matter how long we've been walking with the Lord, there's more. There's loads more. And he's not done with us yet. Okay, look, it's, uh, it's 5 to 12 already. Um, time has, has gone quite quick, hasn't it? I, I'm sorry. It's um, okay. So... I just stop, eh? <laughs> well, I think what we'll do is, um, I think we'll just, can you join me and stand? And um, I, wanted to, I wanted to get Charles up today to just talk about the camp that we're having at Lenchwood. Uh, Phil and Susanna here, and uh, we're doing that in... Uh, May 24th to the 27th, wanted to shout about it and say, isn't it great? Assume that that's been done, okay? You guys love it there anyway, so a lot of you go, and it's right on the doorstep, so you'll hear more about it in due course. I wanted to talk about the leaders' conference, 11th to the 13th. Anyone who's carrying any form of leadership or aspires to, you're welcome. You'll hear more about that too. That's in Yarnfield and Stone. But really, the most important bit of today is... To actually engage with the Father again. And, and, and pray this prayer, I think. Uh, if you've got Bibles there, yeah. I think we'll, we'll try and read this out together. And then I think I'm going to let you... We'll read it all at once. And then I'm going to get you to just pray privately yourselves from your heart and use the language of this to actually appeal to the Father yourself because we need revelation is what I've been saying. So chapter 3 verse 14 and I'm going to read it from the NIV which is the right one so whatever else you've got I've got the mic it's going to dominate okay. All right verse 14 for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So can I encourage you now? You can pray in twos or in ones, 
But let's just turn our attention ourselves to the Lord. And let's appeal for that power. Is that okay? All right, let's just do that now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Okay, let's pray together. Thank you, Father, that you are able to do not just more than we ask, not even what we think but don't say, nor even more than what we think and do say. But immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. You are able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. (laughs) That's a lot, Lord. And we appeal to you in the name of Jesus for Worcester, for Pershaw, that the streets of our city and town, Lord, would be filled with people who are full of the fullness of Christ. We want to pray, Lord, that you would baptize us afresh in your love. That you would give us confidence, Lord, and power to believe that we are not ordinary people. That you have given us your Holy Spirit, made us new. And Father, our blessing is not just for us, but open our eyes. Open the eyes of our hearts, I pray. That we might understand how much investment you've got in your people. And Lord, help us to not down people or, or just treat them in an ordinary manner. These are brothers and sisters in Christ and saints of God who carry around in them eternal life. Lord, bless the churches. Bless, Father, each individual within them. And Father, help us to see uh, this place touched by the power of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, folks. Let me encourage you to um, to carry that out and to read Ephesians during this week. Um, it brought back a little memory of mine. I used to go to Methodist church when I was in my early 20s. And it was a, a kind of a large uh, upstairs room, the church, with a, with a floor with chairs on and then a, benches along the side all banked up and a big semicircle around the end. And the preacher was a re- real godly man. His name was David Driver. And, and they had a big stage at the front. And